All right, so we're in a message today. It's called Living in the Light with Jesus. And if you were with us a couple weeks ago, I did a message on 1 Timothy 1.7, and I shared this as a message that I often return to. It's kind of a life uh, passage for me. Uh, Therefore, fan into flame the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands, for we have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. That's kind of a life verse that I return to. And this morning, we're going to be looking at another uh, passage from Scripture that we often return to. And this, this is for people who, how do I phrase this? If you never regularly enjoy the terrible acoustics at our old building, <laughs> because you've only been here where there's better acoustics, this might be a bit of a welcome into part of our culture as a church something that is for sure really important to me, but I think that actually reflects how we try to live and is a part of Calvary Church's experience. Not that we do it perfectly. So good. Sometimes I feel with technology that I'm actually the problem. Okay, redemption. Where was I? I forget. I'm just going to start from the beginning. Okay, <laughs> my name's Rob. You had a fast forward, fast forward. Old building, new building, acoustics, life passage, like forward, forward, forward. Okay. So this passage is about uh, walking in the light. And why don't we read this together, and then we'll pray, and I'll make some comments. Starting at the very beginning of the book of 1 John. That which we, sorry, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands, concerning the word of life, this he's talking about Jesus, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ, and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. And this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all, If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Father God, thank you for this time together. God, I pray your rich blessing on us. And Lord, I know sometimes when we say bless us, what we're asking for is we would like to feel happier when this is all over. 
And God, you are a great doctor and a good father. And I pray for the full spectrum of blessing. God, I pray that we would know you better. I pray we would understand ourselves better. I pray that we would be freer from sin and freer from self-deception. God, I pray we'd be farther along in being powerful disciples of Jesus. Father, I pray that we'd be farther along in being a church that is really a great blessing to our city and our province and our country. In you, Lord, I pray we'd be farther along as kingdom bringers and kingdom spreaders. And I pray, Father, we'd be farther along in every way possible in Jesus, living out the blessings we have and the power we have and the forgiveness we have and the truth that we have for your glory in Jesus' mighty name. And all the church said, Amen. Amen. Wonderful. So let's look at this scripture a little bit more closely. So the Apostle John, who... As I understand, this is one of Jesus' good friends. He's part of Jesus' inner circle in Jesus' living uh, ministry, is writing a letter to the church. And John is a bit of the more poetical side of the apostles. He likes dealing with um, extremes. So it's like it's either you're sinning or you're alive. You're either in the light or in your dark. And so he kind of deals with these extremes. And he's starting off a letter. And part of how he's presenting himself is not as a person who thinks he's made up some good ideas. He doesn't want to be received as somebody who's thought up some really smart philosophy or doctrine or just is sharing with you a bunch of really smoking tweets that he's put on Twitter or some really awesome Facebook posts where he comes off really great and gets lots of likes. He's not trying to sound smart. What he's trying to do is say, hey, we've met God in Christ. We touched him. We saw him. We're dealing with the facts. Capital F-A-C-T facts. And having encountered the fact of God, things have changed. You have to respond. We've encountered the fact of God, and now we're going to help you respond to him in a way that brings you into eternal life, fellowship, and joy. You see it up there? I'm trying to tell you the truth, says John, and not truth that we've made up like Greek philosophers or some kind of propaganda, government spin doctors or anything like that. This isn't the ministry of disinformation, which is the ministry that spreads disinformation. This is an apostle who has seen a man come back from the dead as proof that he's the living son of God. And he says, we've touched him. We've seen him. It's changed everything. It's brought us into fellowship with the Father. And we want you to be a part of that joy too. This is good stuff. We're going to talk about confessing sin. And the mission is to get y'all into the same level of joy that the Apostle John had. Joy Project, Sunday morning. You don't have to listen to me if you want to be a sad sap. That's fine. It's your choice. But we're, walking, we're working towards hardcore joy in God today. The bus's doors are open. You can come on in if you want to. We're stacking up the seats. Three people high right now. 
Your choice, says John. But he's being honest. He's, he's not here to stick it to anybody. He's not here to, because he enjoys making people feel bad. He says, we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Our joy. So that we can be happy instead of dumpster diving for weak old french fries, thinking that'll satisfy. So, in this mission, because he's met the risen Jesus and he knows that he knows that he knows God, he starts talking about this fact that God is light. What does it mean for God to be light? Because it's a metaphor, right? The truth is, is that God the Father is spirit, so he's not, by nature, if I can use that word, visible. He's invisible unless he reveals himself through some kind of theophany, it's called. That's your $5 college word for the morning. But what does it mean that an invisible spirit is light? Well, you can go a lot of different ways. Does it mean purity? Yes. Does it mean healthy? Yes. Does it mean brings truth? Like turning on the lights brings truth? If you want to someday, you can rent our basement for a reasonable price and you can cover up all the emergency lights and you can play tag down there in the absolute dark. How fun will that be? Huh? Bring your band-aids. Huh? You can't see where you're going. You're going to get hurt. There's going to be an injury. You're going to look like a buffoon. That's walking in darkness. And God is the complete opposite. There's truth. There's healing. There's accuracy. There's things working the way they should work. There's growth. There's purification. Now the trouble is, is that people tend to walk in darkness. Or Christians tend to fluctuate back and forth. Sometimes we're in the light, sometimes not so much. And the practical application of the difference between walking in the light and walking in the darkness for where John goes next is what are we doing about when we sin? Are we going to be honest about it? Are we going to confess it or not? If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. That means we have good Christian relationships. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin, meaning we have restored relationship with the Father. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Okay, this is one of the worst parts about being a human until we're resurrected when Jesus returns, is that we can deceive ourselves. This is one of the worst parts of being human, is that we can absolutely lie to ourselves and believe it like a bunch of chumps. For me, this is one of the things I hate about this life until Jesus returns and finally totally completes my purification and my resurrection body is that I can lie to myself and sometimes everyone else can see it. That shirt does not fit. 
but I got it when I was 18. Yes, that's the problem. But I've got all this nostalgia points built into it. It doesn't matter. I don't want to hear that. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. I think we could go deeper there, but for the sake of time, I want to keep moving forward and maybe I'll hit some stuff. But this this is part of, I think... Calvary DNA and something God is calling us to keep moving forward in is this desire to build everything on honest relationship. On on relationship and honest relationship. And I've been far from perfect in this, yet I have this nonstop longing to keep going here. More and more honest more and more truthful, more and more confessing as a foundation for how we do stuff. We'll sometimes say, hey, we don't want to have a ministry-to-ministry relationship. We want to have a person-to-person relationship that does ministry. And the Bible says one of the best ways to actually have fellowship as Christians is to keep telling each other our sins and our faults and our failures. That's weird, right? That's a little bit upside down. You don't think that you necessarily build friendship like that, but in the kingdom, you actually build friendship by, by being honest about the junk. So whatever. I'm sure we'll come back to this. Five points, hopefully that's big enough, about living in the light with Jesus. From Psalm 15, this is my psalm this morning. I'm on the Bible reading plan with Greg. Greg Dick, are you in the house? Any, any Gregs in the house? Up top, presented the Bible reading plan. Super easy. It's like read a psalm a day. No one's going to pull a muscle, pull a hamstring on that kind of Bible reading plan. But today's the 15th, so it's Psalm 15. Next month, it's going to involve math, and so I'm probably going to get really confused. Got to neg- negativize, is it 30 or 31 off of the psalm I'm supposed to be on today? That gives me my new... Ah, oh, it's going to be terrible. O Lord, who shall sojourn on, in your tent, and who shall dwell on your holy hill? So it's a meditation. What kind of person is like tight with God? Who is living in God's house? And then it goes into a meditation of righteous character which ultimately is looking towards the Christ who has the perfect godly character and absolutely carried and brought to us the perfect presence of God and the Holy Spirit. And at the same time, it's this meditation of the kind of people that God is trying to transform us into. But this is what he says, He whose walk is blameless and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart. This is the kind of person that walks in the light with God, that is living with God, the kind of person who really wants his thoughts about himself or herself, his thoughts to herself, about herself, to be true in here before it ever gets out of the tooth gate. 
that even right in here there would be an accurate evaluation of how I'm doing in the sight of God. And that me and God would be in agreement about how I'm doing inside my bone house. As the author of Beowulf would say. It's part of walking in the light. Is, is starting with wanting to walk in the light with yourself. So, I'm doing this thing. My brother Pierre's helped me out with it. So, we have a few of these little walking in the light groups with brothers where we just have these WhatsApp groups. And every day, and I'm a kind of an every other day guy. I'm sorry for not being faithful, but I just, I think I got a little ADD running around. So, doing anything every day besides eating is just really hard for me. Sleeping and eating, those are my commitments. So I'm about every other day, and we check in on stuff, and we just each told each other, hey, this is something I struggle with, this is something I want to grow in, and I'm going to check in regularly about it. And we each have kind of our different thing. And for me, the big thing is screen time, because I love screens. I've always loved screens. I was born in the 80s when we had television, cathode ray tube, those were awesome. They looked like a picture, but if you get up close, everything's just red or blue or green or something like that, and it's just terrible, but... And I was born in the 80s when the, when the video game systems were just coming out. Any ColecoVision kids? Yeah, ColecoVision, the original Donkey Kong, when Mario was like a plumber running around underground trying to go through pipes. It was just weird. But Donkey Kong was the hero. Nobody? Anybody? Google it. And then the Nintendo Entertainment System came out. We were so young that we all called it the Nintendo. Anybody know that? It was always the Nintendo because nobody knew how to pronounce it because it was from Japan. And it was just, those were wonderful days. But I've been on screens my whole life. And so the whole smartphone thing is deadly for me. It's like the crack cocaine of the screen world for somebody who already struggled with the recreational usage. So I'm on there with my brothers, and wonderfully, they've come up with this thing called screen time, so you can check every day how much time you were on the day before, right? And so I kind of had this set limit, and I was, I was doing great with it for months, and then I started doing really bad with it, and so I was like, man, I'm going to really pump it up, and I'm going to cut down my limit time, and then Pierre's just like, well, you should at least like, have a consequence if you fail here, you know? And so we negotiated down to two push-ups for every minute over my limit, <laughs> right? And so the other day, I went from zero to 68 push-ups in a day. It were, it were bad. <laughs> it, it, it were bad. Came home from work, and I realized, oh man, I'm only at 30, and I started doing push-ups in the kitchen, and I think it set my marriage back like five years, <laughs> because Jackie's trying to like have an adult talk with me, and I'm just I'm like, I'm really behind. I started doing push-ups. <laughs> she just walked away. It was terrible. <laughs> Anyhow, why am I even talking about this? I'm talking about this because I know that when it comes to screens, I talk myself out of health all the time. The problem isn't the screen. The problem is how I talk to myself and how I always have excuse for doing what I don't want to do. And so I've set up this thing that is, it's not sin. 
to be too long on your screen, right? It's not, I'm not murdering anybody, but I'm taking something that isn't sin and I'm trying to grow in the spirit my ability to track my thoughts and my feelings so that I can stop talking myself into doing what I don't want to do. Because I have a problem about speaking truth in my heart. Anybody else have a problem just being honest with yourself? I'm pretty convinced all long-term sins start with an inability to look in your heart mirror and see the warts and then just, and just be like, this is where I'm really at, God. And most reasons for not wanting to confess a sin would be like the emotional cost or the psychological cost of really getting down and dirty with what's really going on in here looks too intimidating to follow through with a process of wiping off the steam that's on the mirror and looking at yourself before you've got your makeup on. John's promise is that there is so much freedom in the presence of God on the other side of practicing speaking truth to yourself in your heart. That the benefit of that kind of honesty is that you start having a better experience of feeling cleansed by the blood of Jesus. If you don't feel cleansed by the blood of Jesus, if you don't feel forgiven, if you don't feel justified, look and see if there's some kind of dishonesty going on that's leading to a denial of what's going on. Because John says, hey, if you and me are really confessing all this stuff, we, God is so just to forgive us. The way he set it up in Christ, his son died to remove the condemnation. His son died to absorb the wrath. His son died to purchase with surety the forgiveness of Almighty God. And if he's done that and we come to him, there is no way in heaven and hell he is going to be unrighteous by not forgiving us when we come to get forgiveness. The universe would fall apart if someone genuinely comes to God to be forgiven and he doesn't do it. All of existence will evaporate because God would have to stop being God. Wonderful. Thought number two, also from the Psalms. For when I kept silence, my bones wasted away through all my groaning all day long. This is another psalm. It's Psalm 32. And this is all about David dealing with a time of great sin in his life. And I'll read a bit more. He says, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whom spirit there is no deceit. Oh, we're back in that truth in the heart thing. But he's talking about how great it is to be forgiven, how awesome when God just says, I will hold nothing against you now. Like what a great moment when Almighty God, he says, I know everything wrong you've ever done and I know exactly how bad it was and I'm going to choose to hold nothing against you. So we're good, we're clear, we're good. It's an open future. And David's writing this song. It is so good to be set free. I went for a bit of a hard rock nickelback sound there on that one, which was probably a mistake, but 
Now, before David is feeling forgiven and enjoying this forgiveness, he thinks about a time where he wasn't dealing with the junk. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, and my strength was dried up as in the heat of summer. It would be nice to have some of that. Verse 5, I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Sometimes, have you ever noticed the joy of being a Christian can disappear? And the excitement can evaporate? And the the joy of fellowship can be gone? And it can feel like when you lie down, you don't get rest? It feels like you're just not getting any better? Your bones are wasting away? You groan all day long? In David's experience, it was that he, was, he had something he wasn't dealing with as his problem. And so he needed to walk in the light with God. And then it was as good as it was bad. And it's as happy as it was sad. And it's as free as it was bound. And it's as alive as it was dead. Because he went through the transition of getting real with God and confessing his fault. Pause. Twitter quote. None of us can go to hell for being sinned against. The problem is the sins we do. Let's start with the sins we do, and it'll be so much easier to deal with the times we're sinned against. End of tweet. Thought number three. This time from Proverbs, whoever gives honest, an honest answer kisses the lips. So this comes from a culture where kissing people is a sign of close friendship. I remember going to Guatemala when I was a young guy, out of school, mission trip type thing, and they're really friendly there, and had this weird experience. We went to this one church, and after we'd done this little sing-song, devo thing, the whole church lined up to kiss us. Like all 150 of every age in both sexes. And so we're from like Manitoba, where even a side hug can be too friendly sometimes. Am I right? Even a handshake is a little bit like personal space, bubble time, you know, especially as a Belfort growing up. I did not hug anybody who didn't share a last name of my own for most of my life. And then all these people are like, mucho gusto, and on the cheeks, and maybe a little bit even too close to the middle, and you're just like, blah, 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 and you just, you know, evasive maneuver, shields up, fire photon torpedoes. And... But the, that was their way of saying your family in that culture. We're from Canada, but they're saying, we're family in Christ. Y'all get kisses. And for Solomon writing in Proverbs here, I think this is Solomon. It might be uh, somebody else. It's just like, hey, if you really want to treat somebody like you're tight and you're close and you're family, be honest. 
like truth from the heart. Confessions and counsel. There's something about just simple honesty that says you're in the inner circle here. And that's what John is saying when he's talking about confessing our sins. This is one of the, the miracles, and I, I, I said it before, but I don't think you believe me the first time. So I'm going to say it again. Oh, I broke it. Can you go forward one slide for me? Or did the computer die? Thank you. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Like admitting your faults, confessing your sins, that builds relationship in the kingdom. Usually we feel this is what destroys relationship in the kingdom. Somebody knew what was really going on. If everyone knew what was really going on, this would be the end. But we live in the upside-down kingdom where if you want to become the king, you have to get crucified by the king. And if you want to be right with God, you've got to admit you're wrong with God. If you want to live forever, you've got to die. If you want to have great fellowship, you've got to admit where you're not in great fellowship and what you're doing to break fellowship. It's this upside-down kingdom. But sometimes we've got to work on this as a church. I don't remember where I heard this story, but I do remember a testimony one time of this, this guy who was a bit of a, on the rougher side, and you know, he, he would go to bars very often. And when he got saved, you know, he learned that, that probably what, the way he was living wasn't super helpful, and so he stopped doing that and just came to church a lot. But his testimony was coming to church with people who all have their act together, at least all seem like they have their act together. I miss just hanging out with people who could just be themselves. When I went to the bar, we were all just at the bar. And then he got saved into feeling lonelier. Which that ain't right. There's something about the ability to just confess your faults, confess your weaknesses, just to be on the same team and working together. Thought number the next. From Proverbs 20, verse 10. Unequal weights and unequal measures are both alike an abomination to the Lord. So he's talking about business here. Um, back in the marketplaces back then, they would often have just like hand scales. right? You lift up something, you lift up a stick, and it's got two cups on the same side. If somebody says, I would like a shekel or a, a sela or whatever, shellish, a core, I don't even know. They have all these weird measurements from the Bible of wheat. You'd put a bunch of wheat on one side and you put weights on the other side. And then you'd lift it up, and once it balances, you've got your, your shekels worth of something. And what shady business could do back then is that when they're wanting to buy, they use a weight that isn't right on target that gets them a better deal. And then when they're wanting to sell, they use a different weight that isn't quite accurate so that each time they make a sale, they're kind of just getting maybe 1% more here and 1% more there. And if, you don't, if you've got multiple weights, you can kind of just slide a hand this thing, and people don't know that they're only getting 99% of that, 
100% weight they think they paid for. It's like when you get a big bag of chips and you find out there's only like 12 chips in the bottom. And I'm sure, and then you look at the bag and it says 12 grams, 12 grams. <laughs> the bag's bigger than my head, 12 grams of chips, and you feel deceived. I'm sure the grammage is fine, but the bag, yeah. Needs to be a big bag for freshness. I don't know. There's something about walking in the light for me that helps me not judge people for doing what I do. And I think over the last two years, all the things I've done wrong, I'm at the point where I'm not sure you could do anything that I haven't done or was about to do. So, there you go. I'm not sure there's anything you could confess that I haven't done or couldn't see myself doing or was about to do and somebody rescued me by slapping me upside the head at a divinely appointed moment. So let's have fellowship. Because God wants equal weights and measures. And I'm really not joking. I think that's part of my process over the last 10 years of being a pastor is to just blow it in every single way possible. Thank you, everybody who's been patient with me. But to blow it in every single way possible so that you probably won't find anything that I can't empathize with from my own heart. And walking in the light is such a good process of just going like, oh man, that person did that. That really cheeses me off. I haven't been doing that kind of stuff for two weeks now. You know what I mean? Anybody been there? You ever done that? And it's super important with kids. <laughs> I'm in this process with the kids. Whenever they're doing something, I know now that I have to do like the walk down memory lane process. Because usually by the time I'm their age, as I remember what I was like as a person, you're not doing anything I haven't done. And all my kids are farther along than I was at that age. Amen? Anybody else ever done that? And half the stuff that I could ever be frustrated about, they get from me. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say that in public, but, you know... She's pretty awesome. I would say it's maybe 90-10. But there's something about this, like this, just this unequal weights and measures. I, I'm tired of doing that. Walking in the light is such a great way to actually get in touch with how we're so similar as believers in Jesus. We all have our thing. And finally, to, to wrap this up on a more positive note, I mean, this is all wonderful. There's so much joy in this. There's so much freedom. 
There's something about this life of walking in the light, admitting your faults and failures, confessing your sins to one another, seeking to have an honest heart before the Lord, where God wants to do such great things through this thing. And so in Isaiah, there's this wonderful, again, upside-down promise and prophecy where the Lord says through the prophet Isaiah, this is 57, 15, For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place. That's amazing. God's so perfect, so untouchable, so all-powerful, so unstoppable, so faultless, so sinless, so completely whole. And he comes and says, I am that awesome. I dwell in a high and holy place that no human being could ever approach. And even the holy angels, the seraphims, are in constant flaming fire because they're so close to my holiness, I am incinerating them perpetually. And, we didn't expect an and here, and also with him or her who is of a contrite and lowly spirit, the one who's crushed, the one who has nothing to prove and nothing great to say about themselves in the presence of God, the one who feels oppressed, the one who's living in the dust, God is the one who dwells in such unapproachable eternity and holiness and is in your house when you're confessing your sins. On mission to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Does anybody here want revival? Okay. Whose house does the high and holy one show up at to bring that revival? To the one who's lowly of spirit and whose heart is crushed. When we say we want revival... What are we committing ourselves to? To humbling ourselves. <laughs> exactly. Like, I'm 82% into this. And there's 18% that still needs to meet the Lord afresh. Amen, sister? I'm with you. Don't you get so tired? Just like, Jesus, I can do this for a month. You know, I, can, I have 35 days of humility, and I need a pride break where I just need to be like, I am important. I am important. I am important. I'm a good person. And then, <laughs> I'm not saying that's you. I'm saying that's me, but whatever. Same Z's, yes. I just want to do something right for once. But, but, and this is this upside down kingdom, isn't it better to be crushed? with the high and holy one wanting to do amazing things with you than to have nothing to confess? Isn't it better to be lowly 
and have the almighty God of the universe who raises up nations and casts down nations, who takes the dead and say, live, and takes the living and say, your time is up. Isn't it better the one who says, now is the time for crazy inflation, and now is the time for unexpected fruitfulness. Now is the time that your business will be crazy. Now is the time when things are on hold. The one who judges the living and the dead, the one who sends to heaven and can cast into hell, isn't it better to have him living with you, saying, I want to bring you revival than to dodge some wounded pride? This is, this is how I get through stuff nowadays. On the other side is power. On the other side is presence. On the other side is joy. On the other side is greatness. On the other side is amazing stuff. On the other side is breakthrough. On the other side is restoration. On the other side is redemption. On the other side of walking on, in the light. On the other side of humility. On the other side of brokenness. On the other side of contrition. But it's so good. And it really works. And my push-ups. I've, I've been healed by my, from my push-ups. Because I could not do this yesterday. I'm going to sing. Jesus, all for Jesus, all I am and have or ever hope to be. Jesus, all for Jesus, all I am and have, or ever hope to be. And here comes the best part. For it's only in, thank you everybody, your will that I am free. For it's only in your will that I am free. We should sing that again. For it's only in your will that I am free. Why don't you guys take this next one? Father God, I pray that we would have a renewed mind that sees your loving kindness in bringing things to the surface for us to deal with. I pray you give us courage and peace in our hearts to confess our sins and to walk in the light. 
I pray you give me a humble heart. You know how proud I am and how often I try to hide my pride under rightness. Gross. God, I pray that you'd help each one of us to be in that will of a lowly heart that welcomes your revival with a broken spirit that builds fellowship in a church. Lord, honesty in a marriage that brings down the walls, that brings down the walls that have come up, Lord. Lord, clarifying and speaking the truth in love that overcomes the wounds. I pray for a great move of your spirit amongst us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.